Hey, kids. Kids? I don't know. <laughs> We're not exactly spring chickens. Not anymore. Mm-mm. Hey, I'm back. You're back. How was Maryland? It was great. Was it a merry land? Eh, for the most part. That's cool. So your whole family was there, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I brought something from Maryland. From the ethnic market. Dorian, Dorian, no. Dorian. Something better in my estimation. It's a dragon fruit. Oh, okay. I've never seen a dragon fruit. Mm-hmm. The inside's white with like little seeds, and it um, the texture is kind of like a melon, kind of like a peach, I guess, but softer. And the flavor is like a really tame, watery watermelon slash blueberry. Cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. What are we drinking? We're drinking Free State Brewing Ad Astra Ale. Okay. So I miss the big... Uh, the big, what should we call it? The round table. Round the, table. Thank the, you. I was originally going to participate. Then the weather changed, and I was going to have to go down uh, to Maryland the next day. Mm-hmm. And it just it was like uh, it was a situation where driving up was going to be pretty much impossible. And also, I was tired, and it was like. I'm just going to go to sleep. It's going to be better for everybody. <laughs> and then even even the next day, I like uh, I took a half day at work to go to go down because I was going to skip all mm-hmm. the all the annoying stuff that's going to happen. So, right, unfortunate. But I, I wish I were getting there. But but I listened to it and it was pretty pretty good stuff. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Um, um, were I there, I might have pushed a little bit harder on the uh, on the point that that you made uh, that. Brewers that that you know, brewers and craft beer people have been making fun of Budweiser for decades, and now one you know one right. slickly produced thing that that can be interpreted as a as an insult if you look at it the right way. Right, and everyone. Is, I, I didn't want since I was the moderator and had the loudest voice. Mm-hmm. You know, especially what was being recorded, I had the clearest and loudest voice. I didn't want to try to overstep, overbully. Right, so. While I, I felt like I didn't get that point across as clearly as I hoped I would, but it was also another comment you made to me personally, right? Where you don't change people's minds in the midst of an argument, right? right? So, true. so if I had pushed it more, I felt that it was me just trying to get acknowledgement that it was a good point, right? And really, that's pushing it too far if you're yeah. just fishing for acknowledgement. So, uh, I feel like when. I feel like that that you know what I say absolutely applies, but also when there's more back and forth uh, between people with varying positions, and you, because everyone had a slightly different take on it, which was good. It was it was cool because it wasn't just two people with one take, two people with another take, and they all agreed, and and there was mm-hmm. just because there, there was a lot of different takes and stuff. So I thought that you know maybe pushing that point and seeing. If it could go further, if there if there were nuances that I, that, that I hadn't thought, hadn't been considered I from was, my perspective, I was hoping my position on how it's good for craft beer. I was hoping that was going to be somewhat controversial and have someone who disagreed with it. Mm-hmm. Didn't really get there. I was hoping for it though, because really I, I like that point of view a lot, and yeah. it, it's not something that I've seen in. It is a unique point all of view. the articles actually. 
Sam Caligione had a thing in Men's Health today, and he mentioned something similar in his sentiment about how it's good for craft beer. Not specifically because they showed ingredients in stainless steel and whatnot, but just the ad in general. Well, I think the, the, the point is that it's good for beer, and because it's good for beer, it's good for craft beer. It's right. It's not just plain marketing of a brand and an idea of you know of of even though that was there the sex and and stuff but it was more in the background than ever before did, did you see last week tonight or yeah last week tonight this week yes that that youtube ad from the marlboro ad company on the position yeah talk about all about the lifestyle and the mm-hmm. image right yeah uh, <laughs> It's it's hard to compare because they really are selling death, right? Um, and and beer is you know and Budweiser is just selling a, a is selling a fungible commodity as opposed to death. No, it could, could be death. You could look at it. They're both selling an unhappy pastime or an unhealthy pastime, right? I mean, one, I, I, one I to a much one to a higher degree, but it's still an enjoyable pastime for those who smoke. I don't think it's enjoyable for people who smoke. I, I don't think people who smoke enjoy it. I, mean, they, I think people start smoking because it's cool. And they do... They do get... You know, what, what, they get antsy to the point where smoke helps them calm down. But they don't actually enjoy the fact that they have to smoke all the time. Yeah. Okay. I can't really comment on... Not a smoker. Yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. I would hope they do it because they. Uh, I don't know. My mom smoked. She enjoyed the routine, the ritual of smoking. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, something to do with her hands and things like that. Right. So I don't know. That's about all I can comment on smoking. When I was down in <clears throat> D.C., uh, brought down some board games. Brought down three board games that I played here: Pandemic. Uh, Small World and Ticket to Ride. Small World didn't go over very well just because it was so complicated. And but and Ticket to Ride and Pandemic went over great. Pandemic especially. Mm-hmm. Pandemic. I think the really cool thing is the cooperative element is really is really cool, and it sets up this kind of tension that you're all trying to figure out. You're, you're all trying to figure out what's, what's right. the best way to set it up. And it's almost like you're all on one side of a chess game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really is, it's a very cool way to play. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like I meant, I think I mentioned last time we talked about it. It It's a lot like playing a video game. There, There's a, not an AI, but there is a conflict built into the yeah. way the game progresses and it throws things at you. But it, it's not like playing, I guess... Uh, I mean, when you say video game, it gives an idea of like you know a first-person shooter or a platformer. It, to me, that that's what it calls in mind. I mean, I understand what you're saying. It is a lot like playing against a against a something. You don't it, it, you don't often play a des- a tabletop game that fights back. Yeah, right. And this fights back. Th- this this fights back, but the way it plays is more like uh, is more like a turn-based strategy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, I get the best comparison I have, I think, is to chess because there were times when we realized, okay, in three moves we can win, you know, as long as nothing terrible happens. We, you know, we got to the situation where, okay, win in three moves, mm-hmm. we got it. So 
then that's very chess like. Right. Then you just draw a bad card. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Outbreak. Well, if, if you hold your event cards for the right point, you can then, you know, take care of it or, or you know if you use your if you use your characters in the best way, like you can put the guy there's one um one role where if you put them in a in a certain place, then what where they're on and any place connected to them can't get any diseases on them. So that's useful mm-hmm. for if you think there's gonna be an outbreak somewhere, just put right. them right nearby. And they're okay. Um, all the little cards come in handy mm-hmm. at some point. Right. That's a fun game. It is a fun game. I got to convince my kids to play it. Uh, it's not for kids. I mean, really, it's yeah. you know, Ava enjoyed it, but she still needed kind of talking through it, and she's 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think that, but my father enjoyed it. You know, he's uh, in, his, in his late 60s, so. He got, I mean, he, he was, you know, frustrated a little bit by the fact that it's more complicated than he's used to, but he also appreciated that mm-hmm. aspect of it as well. Uh, and my sister and I, you know, we, we were head over heels for her, like, this is awesome. Right. So, yeah, that's a fun game for sure. These, uh, I, I don't know, we talked about, I, forgot, I think I could cover this, but, you know, this, like, current generation of mm-hmm. these board games that are out are just so good. They're compared to more compared traditional. To, yeah. Compared to the games that you know Milton Bradley puts out, lots of stuff to talk about. We have a whole list of, of topics that we created. I doubt we'll, we'll get to, to all of them. Boy, uh, you mentioned today that the Pennsylvania Fireball. I had no idea what that was. No, you mentioned yesterday. I think the yeah, Pennsylvania Fireball. I saw it on Space dot com on Twitter, and uh, I looked up, and you know they have that. That 360 sky camera, right? And I uh, just said ha- it happened 4:50 a.m. Like not that. the, but the day before. So it was yeah. the day before I told it to you. Uh, about a 500 pound object, bolite, a couple feet in. Is that what it's made out of? I think it's what it's called. Oh, right? if, okay. if, if it if it burns up in the atmosphere like that, it's called. A well, no, they say there was probably fragments that hit the ground. Mm. I'm not up on the uh, nomenclature for that. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if it was iron or rocky or what, but uh, I joked with Greg, let's go meteorite hunting, because it said like things probably hit the ground east of Catanning. <laughs> east of Catanning can't be that big of an area, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, I said that's more your, that's more your company. That's more your it's, kind it's of crazy. You know, so they were able to see it on two, maybe three of these cameras, and from the just a few seconds and triangulating from the different cameras they were able to calculate the whole orbit of the object nasa put out a video of the orbit of the meteorite before it hit earth and uh it'd be really cool someone has that data and has like a good swath of ground to search for fragments right yeah but it's probably you know it's an ellipse i'm sure yeah and but someone has that data right and someone's probably already looking for stuff New particles of the LHC. That's not really true. I mean, it, there are new... They, they found new exotic baryons. Right. Uh, baryons are three-quark... Um, I guess you can call them particles if you really want to. But really, that's just an association. 
that we've made. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're type of uh, bottom quarks. And the special thing about them isn't necessarily the configuration, but the fact that they're actually in a higher energy configuration. Their spins are slightly different than we, what we might expect. Really, it, it, it's particle physics minutia. To call them new particles is... Uh, is a little bit of a of a strong. This is not something. Oh my God, we found something entirely new. This is right. just a new, a, a, a different assortment of constituents that we predicted we would find, and we found. They have cool names: ZB Prime and ZB Star. It was Zyb. Zyb. Yeah, okay. yeah Zyb Prime and Zyb Star. <clears throat> I couldn't find any information, so Heather. Allison's getting glasses. Okay. So they should be here, I think, the next couple of days, actually. But um, the optometrist, Heather couldn't remember, like, didn't have much detail on this statement. But the optometrist said something about her really hating that elementary schools have whiteboards now instead of chalkboards. I did a couple of searches online. I couldn't find that as being, like, a common sentiment or something. Um, and Heather couldn't give me any more information on why she may hate whiteboards. Is it a contrast issue? It m- might be. That seems to be the only thing. Bla- white, white on black might be. But I mean, look at these screens we have, and they're they're yeah. they're white and they're really bluish more than white. But I mean, yeah, I couldn't. Like I said, I couldn't find any good information. I, I figured I'll put the note on there. Thomas hates whiteboards. I'll Google for it and mm-hmm. find some body of thought. Couldn't really find it. You want to see something that will fuck up your, your not just not necessarily just your eyes, but your brain. Look up the McCullough effect. The McCullough effect. I put that in uh, here. I'm highlighting it now so you can see it. It's up at the top under anti-vac madness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the McCullough effect. This is a image that if you look at, if you stare at it for a long enough time, and long enough time is only like five, ten, fifteen minutes, it will. It could fuck up your vision for up to three months. Really? Yeah. So it's just red, light red and dark red vertical pattern, right? Yes. Or it's not even have to be red. Here's another page. It can be blue as well. But what happens is anything that has that rough pattern, you'll start to see that color in between them. Hmm. It can affect your... You know, it, it's not, I mean, colors don't really exist. Colors are a part of your brain. Right. Uh, and so this thing gets into your whatever color processing thing is going on and forces you to see that. And it has been recorded to be have seen for up to three months. Normally it goes away after about an hour, but still. So that's something that you and I deal with text all the time that gets mm-hmm. in, in these sort of patterns. I don't want to do that because it's that's something that you and I could very well. <laughs> Don't, don't look at this. It'll break your eyes. Yeah. Huh? Tell me that isn't fucked up. It's like a virus for your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> a computer virus for your eyes. All right. Uh, boy. Lots of, lots of stuff on here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it just came across my feed somehow, but the, the nihilist Arby's. And it's funny, right? It's it's very depressing type Arby's tweets. What I found most impressive after I looked at it is it's only been around for a month. Uh-huh. They've only tweeted 57 tweets. 
and have 13,000 followers. A soiled bare mattress on the floor. A naked bulb sways in the gloom. Arby's wrappers strewn everywhere. Arby's. It's come to this. (laughs) (laughs) They're really funny. (laughs) Arby's, when the nightmare ends, will be gone too. (laughs) (laughs) Joke time. How would you order a beef and cheddar at a German Arby's? Answer, existence is meaningless and life as you know it is inconsequential. (laughs) That's cool. I like it. Um, It kind of reminds me of, I just found a tweet called uh, You Had One Job, uh, Twitter feed, and that's a, I I think I may have sent you a couple images from that. Okay. uh, That are just, uh, you know, I copied some of them because they're they're great, like, images of, of, of dumb stuff. Like, for example, this one. Oh, okay. Which has a tension. It's just a picture of a... Of a sign inside of the a stall. Of a sign in the stall, but it says... Toilet only for disabled, elderly, pregnant children. <laughs> <laughs> which is really, I mean, that's a very small... Uh, I sent you, yeah, the, the, this one was, was one of that's my favorite. That's funny. Yeah. It almost made, that, that's almost too funny to be real. You would think that. But, I mean, just, the photo sure looks good. It's a Chinese uh, barbershop sign and... A printed banner. Completely printed, printed banner. banner. And then the English translation of what is in Chinese is could not connect to translations, translator service. <laughs> that, should, that should have been printed in, uh, in Mandarin. I mean, the, the the funny thing about that is... You could totally see that happening to, to, to an American making some Chinese stuff and not, right, <laughs> not seeing that at all. That's so pretty good. This was good. This uh, did I send you this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Marge Simpson doll, which was just like a deformed, uh, not so Marge Simpson. I I thought this was was funny. It's a Captain America lollipop. <laughs> um. This is great radio, I know. But still, uh, this one takes you a second to figure it out, but then you get it. 23rd annual. I'm missing the joke. Look at the 23rd closer. Oh, the 20th end. 23 end D annual. <laughs> or, or the very simple ones like this one. <laughs> just my dog is make sure we can um yeah there's all all types of stuff like that there's a picture of uh, uh <laughs> one of those newspaper flyers for yellow curved fruit which are bananas <laughs> I would love to know the story behind that one yeah Lots of lots of great stuff. Uh, you know, I won't I won't go into it. But yeah, there's lots of cool Twitter feeds like that. Speaking of cool Twitter feeds, uh, he's long since retired, but unfortunately, he is past. Paris Whittles, funny guy, gone too soon. Thirty years old, comedy writer. Overdosed. He was a known druggie. We're not recording. We're not recording the. Uh, I thought you turned it on before we no. uh, started. I did not. I see. You turned it towards you, I see. If you had left it where it was, it'd be where we could both see it. 
You wouldn't have noticed anyway. I looked when we started. I'm like, oh, he has turned from Tim. It must be recording. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, carpooling. You mentioned that you were carpooling and you were, you were listening to DV. Because you, you put in here something that you... Okay, this, this um, is why... I, I could never find this radio copy, so... Okay. But anyway, so I, I put on there, Fifty Shades of Grey was released. And apparently it's like... It's just a dumb, you know, uh, chick flick slash kind of erotic thriller movie or something. Mm-hmm. But the book is, I mean, I've seen excerpts of the book and it's just awful. The writing is horrible. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it, I think what all the reviewers are saying that, it, you know, it's not that the movie is bad. It's just that, you know, it, the book was so bad that we expected the movie to be just, you know, a piece of shit and instead it, it, it's just boring and dumb so I think a lot of people were expecting the uh, the movie to be what NC-17 pornography yeah <laughs> but you you mentioned selling a Vermont teddy bear copy on, yeah. on WDVE and you said you couldn't find it yeah so it was one of those radio testimonial type ads right read by Val the news lady on WDV and it was crazy copy it's like you know maybe you'll get your hubby to buy you the teddy bear and then maybe I'll tie you up and you know anally penetrate you you know like didn't say that but like like basically suggesting that you're going to get nasty if you get this bear for Valentine's Day and um I I looked and looked trying to find Someone who transposed the audio copy that you know, they ran it on radio, at radio stations, I couldn't find it. But mm. now back to your point. When you put that in there, I, I put it in there because I asked, why would you listen, be listening to DVE? Why are you listening to radio at this point? You said you carpool. So I put in the question, is it antisocial to use headphones if someone is listening to a radio station that you hate if you carpool? I don't have an answer to the question. Right. So I wouldn't. I mean, we carry on enough conversation. And it's not like I'm sitting there staring out the window looking, you know, listening to WDVE. I have the 4G hotspot turned on and I'm generally working when I'm riding. And when I'm driving, we're not listening to DVE. We're listening to, a pod, you know, Marketplace podcast or or NPR or something like that. It, it's hard to play a lot of podcasts during a carpool because the conversation really takes you out of the show. So mm-hmm. I play things that are just more lightweight. Background noise. Yeah. Yeah. And it, usually the background noise is just NPR then because most of the podcasts I have aren't, aren't suitable for background noise. I want to hear what right. people are talking about. And... Uh, you should play pink noise. <laughs> What's that, Mark? I can't hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm working, but it's funny because he used, you know, back when we were just starting, and he was being very friend, you know, very uh, friendly. He would say, "Hey, do you want to put NPR on the radio? Go ahead and put it on." He hasn't offered in a very long time. Uh, you can tell sometimes he enjoys the stories that they cover. He finds mm-hmm. them interesting. He will never turn it on on his own. But it's funny because he'll listen to DVE and they'll talk about something that, uh, you know, just turns them off, disgusts them. You know, they, they talk about some pretty stupid, raunchy stuff on there sometimes. And he'll flip away and Tim Ince will flip back. Like, you know, this happens regularly enough. I'm like, and he has satellite radio. So I don't know why he ever puts. And so some if we're not listening to DVE, we're listening to like 
70s classic rock mm. like satellite radio and so it's really just interested in the music and dv i mean it's not they like, do play the same it's general. not like a howard stern thing it's not like they have it's not yeah. like a just a talk show it's yeah. a, they play music in between their bits yeah. right yeah the their bits oh. i just i i've outgrown you know the dv comedy by a million miles yeah. but uh I don't know why he just doesn't listen to a satellite radio all the time because he turns away DV enough because the conversation is dumb or it's a dumb parody song that he you know doesn't like, like oh Donnie Iris, you know somebody's not not even saying a Donnie Iris song but like people pretending right. to be to yeah. like Donnie Iris. That's DV. Yeah, let's make fun of Pittsburghers. Or it's when these guys are trying to take on real social topics, <laughs> you know, a couple yuck yuck yeah. heads or. Yeah. Deciding to talk, and they do it enough, like worse than us, <laughs> right? Right, right, you know. And they're on DV in the morning trying to take on a social topic, and it, it's mm. just they come across as uninformed, and uh, yeah, so but it probably is anti social to use headphones in that situation. Yeah. If there wasn't much conversation going on, would you consider it? <sighs> I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to get to that spot. I mean, we have enough conversation, and I'm occupying my attention with other things when I'm not driving. So mm. it's not like I'm sitting there like it's not like back in the day, riding in the back seat on Sunday morning and having to listen to a you know country top forty countdown um, in the parents' car. Right? Mm. It's not that kind of nightmare, or you having to listen to the Beatles. Right? Right. Yep, for six hours, Beatles and show tunes. You asked a question on here: How many space probes can you fit in a Lagrange point? Uh, if it's L four L five, I imagine as many as you want. I mean, those are big. Because they, we just launched that one that's going into L, the one that's between the Earth and the Sun. That's L one, right? Or yes, L one, I believe. And. So I started doing some research, and, you know, oftentimes at the end of the usable mission of a probe, they'll pilot it out of the L point. Right. So there's room. So just that, that's what made me wonder how many can you fit, right? I couldn't really find any real information on, like, how much area I mean, yeah. is in the Earth-Sun L point. I, it, was, it was information I couldn't really find. I, I assume that you, you, you'd take it out of the L one Lagrange point A because it's on well not just because you get room but because the L one is unstable right L four and L five are stable the other ones are are considerably less stable and so you don't really know what's going to happen It's a dynamic mm-hmm. situation and that could go back towards Earth it go you know you oh it you, could it could ping pong around yeah and hit, take out another probe I guess, yeah I mean and I mean it's, it's unlikely to it's even even if that area is relatively small, it's still space, so it's still unimaginably big, no matter how relatively small it is. So yeah, I would say if it's like twenty miles yeah, away. You know, it's like I would say it's extraordinarily unlikely that you could pack up L one full of probes, uh, or even pack L one to the point where there's a decent chance of one probe hitting another. Yet, to get away from that one in a billion chance. Why not throw right. something out? I, I assume that would be the reason. But L4 and L5 are so big. Those are the ones that lead and follow the planet, right? right? Yeah. 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 There's a lot of comets and, or meteors. Yeah, there's, in that there's a bunch of, bunch of little rocks and stuff like that. There's some, if you go on the Wikipedia page about the Lagrangian points, there's uh, 
some neat topographic maps and that shows like the pools of gravity and you can kind of see where you know these spots are they're like on flat plateaus mm-hmm. instead of on mountainsides and things like that so it's kind of it's neat to yeah. kind of visualize it that way because when you look at just a flat diagram you can imagine the pools of gravity but like things like l2 doesn't well, we, we, no, I'm trying to think. Well, L4 and L5 are kind of teardrop shape almost. They, they have yeah. they have interesting shapes. Which L1 one? is circular. Uh, L2, L3 is on the other side. L3 yeah, is on L3 the other side of the other of side of the sun. The yeah. sun. Yeah, but the, um, what was I trying to say? I was like trying to imagine in just a 2D diagram, like why those spots are stable. Like why is there a spot on? directly behind the earth between you know if you go from a straight line from sun to earth to l2 why is that spot stable it seems like if you have all that gravity of those two things it should be more pull in right so you're going to need more velocity to stay there Mm -hmm. but also because it's far enough out that extra velocity keeps you you have to to consider both objects and that that's where it comes into play that that's why Mm -hmm. these these points you know, happen when you're talking about two objects. Like L1 makes sense, right? It's a tug of war between both yeah. of them. When you start and then... But with all the other ones, it has to do with a velocity component keeping gravity from winning out all by itself, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, there's a velocity component to gravity that isn't often considered. For I'll give an example. Um, if... Um, it's often the the example they say if the sun were to disappear, we Earth wouldn't know it for eight for eight minutes. It would be continuing in its orbit for eight minutes. Now, technically, uh, you can't make the sun disappear. We don't. We can't actually say if the sun disappears because the equations we have for understanding the universe don't allow that to happen. So we can't actually say that. Mm-hmm. But let's adjust reality enough to say that would happen. Uh, so the question is. Earth is orbiting. What is Earth orbiting now? Is Earth orbiting where the sun was eight minutes ago or where the sun is now? Right. Right? And the answer is uh, it's orbiting where the sun is going to be in eight minutes because there's a velocity component to the gravity. Because the sun is moving uh, and that gets added to the potential of where the Earth is. So the Earth is not rotating around where the sun was eight minutes ago. The Earth is rotating around where the sun is going to be from our perspective in eight minutes. Yeah, so like if you look at the – go to Wikipedia's page and find this topographic map one mm-hmm. here. But if you look like at some of these like L3, L4, and L5 that are actually beyond the orbit of the Earth just slightly. Right. Because of – being that far out, your orbital velocity is slightly more, which keeps you in a stable thing. So, like, when you hear the some of these points, um, when you hear some of these simply described, you hear L5 is 30 degrees behind the Earth. And you think, exactly in line. But it doesn't make sense because you're going to have two things pulling gravity that are a 30-degree thing. It should pull it in. Right. It should eventually spiral into the more massive thing. It's 30 degrees radially off. Right. On, but but on also, orbit. because it's outside the orbit of the Earth, it has an extra 
has additional orbital or angular velocity Digital on delta it, v, yeah. which keeps it where it is. So th- that's why I found this diagram very helpful. But like, especially L three, you see, like the L three is like yeah. completely it's a, outside. It's a three D projection yeah. uh, to uh, of of, a, of the sun and Earth's gravity well to give you, and then uh, giving you gravitational potential uh, or or expo- or. Uh, 2D lines of gravitational potential right. in that. Yeah, well. if you these, if you look at the um, what are those called? Topographic lines. Yeah. You know, you can see where the plateaus are. Here's a flat spot. There's a flat spot there. Yeah, so you can spot them all. Like in L1's, the one that's deepest. You can kind of see where that why that one's unstable, right? Because it's gonna fall one way or yeah, the other. It's, 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 it's on a. It, it's on. Um, it's on a knife edge. Yeah, it's on a knife edge, or it's on at least a. At least a very shallow hill, mm-hmm. and it's it's easy to make that fall. L two the same way, although one one size more shallow than the other. Yeah, L three looks like it would be pretty relatively stable, right? It's on a pretty. I don't think it's that stable. I do, I, I don't think L three is compared is, to one and two. Compared to one and two, it's maybe stable, but it's not. I mean, it's not nearly as stable as four and five. This diagram is also very cool because it shows the center of gravity of the system. And it's not the dead center of the sun, right? Which, when right. you think about it, duh. But, you know. That reminds me of um, another correction to a Newtonian thing. <laughs> I had remember I uh, talked about two objects falling. And we talked <laughs> about how uh, F equals MA and uh, uh, F, uh, F equals uh, G times uh, M1, M2 over R squared. But... So the force is the same, and so that's why you'd say, okay, the force on e- in, on either object falling is the same. It doesn't matter what mass it is; the force is going to be the same. Here's the thing, though: there is a, there is an issue that doesn't come into play unless you really, 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 really get into very, 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 very tiny math, and that's that <coughs> one object is more massive than another, so it's slightly pulling on the other object just a bit more. So technically, the heavier object does fall faster than the lighter object, but mm-hmm. on the scale that we're talking about, it's unobservable for the right, most part. Right. But the, it is technically true that the mo- the more massive object is pulling the other mass object closer more. Mm-hmm. Right. Just a, I mean, I'll have to prime my kids with that so when they get the yeah. question in school, they can be like, "You're wrong." <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 bowling ball does fall faster than yeah. the feather in a vacuum, and here's why. It was kind of funny too. I, I, we had a little a little shindig uh, that my parents put together, and and some cousins of mine came over, and I was explaining to uh, my cousin, um, I was explaining to her, or trying to explain to her the basics of. Um, I didn't get into Bell's inequality, but the basics of the quantum jewel box, which is really just the EPR paradox. But the idea is, uh, most most people and Einstein included saw you know and Schrodinger. This is the Schrodinger cat thing essentially. Is that uh, the their thought was there's a hidden variable? There has to be. If I give you the the whole entangled particle issue goes. It, it makes a lot of sense if you just say, well, I'm opening up two jewel boxes. I have two marbles, one red, one blue. I'm putting in, I'm putting them in different boxes. I'm scrambling them up, and I'm giving them one to you. You open one, it's red. You know the other is blue. That's mm-hmm. that's the you know, Schrodinger-Einstein 
saying that, saying that the answer was there all along, you just didn't know. And the whole thing with Bell's inequality is, is that Bell, Bell, John Bell showed that if that were true, then there should be an inequality you can measure uh, if you do a certain type of experiment. It would take too long to describe the experiment. I won't get into it. But it, you, you should see a correlation more often than not. Uh, and that's the inequality. Mm-hmm. And it turns out you don't. It doesn't happen. It turns out that, unlike what Einstein and Schrodinger thought, it very much seems to be the case that the it is not you put red and blue marbles into the boxes. You put marbles into the boxes, and they don't decide what color they are until you open it. Right. It's not. There's no decision that takes care of of it for him. In, in, in essence, it's as if. Uh, and it really is the the case that the color itself doesn't actually exist until you observe it. It's not so that's what superposition superposition is often described as it's both. Really the case is it's neither. It's No, okay, so I want to I want to macro this this idea and maybe take it a little literal, right? So you have these two marbles. Right. I load the I load the experiment. I put the things in, right? So I have initial knowledge of what is what, right? And then double blind, someone mixes it up. Mm-hmm. You know, then you know things become into a superposition, right? Well, no, no, what? Be, no, that's not what happens. No. Okay. Because whether you erase your initial knowledge or not, the marbles have initial knowledge. The marbles have knowledge of what they are. The marbles won't change. Uh, and so, because of that, you can set up a mathematical configuration where. Uh, the way that the marbles behave uh, and it has it's a quantum mechanical aspect to the way they behave but you can set up a situation where they will behave in a certain way so that if if they were set up beforehand with one red one blue then more than on running this experiment more often than not you'll see a correlation mm-hmm. but you know but it turns out that you only see a correlation half half the time so you so the correlation is less than what it should be if they had hidden information which means that it is not there is no correlation that there is nothing there mm-hmm. to find there is no hidden variable there it would take me probably a good 15 minutes and some diagrams to explain it to you and i probably could <laughs> But I'm not going to do that over I'm the curious air. about this, you know, the experiment that, that helps set that up. But, yeah, it sounds like it's too much investment to figure yeah, that out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really complicated. I've seen people try to do it, and every time it, it misses something or it really just confuses the person because it's – you have to just write down some tables. It, it, it's not complex, but you just write down some tables. The possibilities that this can happen, possibilities this can happen, possibilities this can happen, and then compare that to what you should see. And then you see, okay, this is what the, the chances are that something should happen. And then you run the experiment and you, you, know, you say, we should see, either it depends on how you look at it, either five-ninths of the time or at least what greater, greater than or equal to one-third of the time, we should see a correlation. And we only see a correlation less than that. So... Since you only see correlation much less than that, and, and the court see the correlation that is exactly the same as what you would expect with chance, mm-hmm. it throws away the idea of hidden variables. 
It's it's a really really neat. I mean, it, it it's. I think that the interesting thing about the experiment is that once you get it, it really it, it's it's funny how simple it is. In a sense, it's funny it, the the experiment itself, the math behind it is very simple. Uh, like I said, explaining it just takes fifteen minutes. I can draw you know, a Venn diagram, a few uh, things, and just a, t- a couple tables. It'll make sense to you, mm-hmm. but it just yeah, it's not something I can explain. Uh, right, in you know, talking to you. That's fine. What do you think of those audio drops that I sent you? <laughs> uh, I thought that the guy had kind of you got these from Fiverr, yes, right. Uh, this was mentioned in your in the post show of the of the extra of the of the roundtable. I thought that the guy had kind of a, a Sulu s kind of like end to his thing, but I, I was thinking that uh, if we're going to use that, I'd like it for introduction to segment like Greg's science bullshit or like um, <laughs> or or just do a deprecating of the guy. So, who did it. Like, so this have, just paid for my heroin dose today because it's five dollars. What right. the? <laughs> I, I had well, some people won't do obscene things, stuff like that, right? You'd have to find the right person who would have a great voice and do obscene things. Is that obscene? Well, I'm just, yeah. People might not want to say this. Paid for this hair, heroin, <coughs> heroin dose, and uh, so I got 50 words for five bucks, and uh, the last uh, six words, you know, Greg Wise, Contrarian, Blowhard. And I need two more. I'm like, how about Dord and Gusher? Right? I, I don't know. So I didn't like. I didn't pay for those words. I just didn't have anything else to fill right. with. So those were kind of wasted, but. Uh, I told I I think I gave the guy I told the guy you know just use a big bassy gravelly announcer voice and it sounds like he was probably trying a little too hard. Yes, I think he took it a little too far. Yeah, probably. If you had pulled it back a if notch, pulled it back a notch. I mean, I I don't I don't think our show is the kind of show that at least the show that we've evolved into is the kind of show that needs that anyway. I think it's it's a it's a more casual thing than to have an announcer doing you know Greg. I just thought it'd be fun to have. No, I, I I mean it's five bucks. You know, like I said, I think I sent an email to you. Congratulations <laughs> on wasting five bucks, but you know, you, it's just five bucks. It's not a big deal. Um, I think those could be you know nice for drops in like pre and post shows, but I don't think that uh, or even you could drop it on the end of you know you drop it at the end of the show. The very end, have him read the Creative Commons mm-hmm. <laughs> spiel. <laughs> that might be good. Can we use them for the intro this time, though? Just yeah, once? we can use them for the once? intro. Okay. Once. Yeah, I have no problem with using them. Um, did you see the one I posted on Twitter last night? You sent a rap battle a one? A rap battle one. I didn't know because I, I, I didn't hear it. I, I, I just listened to the, the, the post show okay. on the way here. So I didn't get a chance plug, to plug in your thing, and we'll, do you really want, want me to plug in this thing? Really? <laughs> well, yeah, but I want you to do so. Groucho, we, we talked about the rap battle thing in the post show, right? Or I'm not sure if that part went there. Go to the beer report. Yeah, we did. We talked to yeah. it. Go to the beer report and play the beginning of his most recent episode. It starts off with the rap battle. Hold on a minute. Pulling up your tweets here. Yeah, I want you to play the beer report first, though. All right. Another thing is, I think we should do. I, I talked to you a little bit about this, but uh, on um, on instant messaging. But I, I think that we should do cross podcasting more often. Just get on other people's shows and having them on. Mm-hmm. You know, we do their shtick on their show. They do our shtick on our show. 
like I said, it happens in the comedy scene all the time. Right. People go on other well, podcasts and just promote each other. And like I told you, I'm I'm still I still like this idea. I'm cooking up an idea where we we or I do a another show, which a main part of it is just having guests on a panel. So I mean that, that's fine, but but I also want to right. spread ourselves a little bit more. That's I mean yeah. we get it, it. It's win-win. Mm-hmm. They get exposure on us. We get exposure on them. It, it's right. Yeah, everything. So, okay. So the beer report. Um, you can just play their most recent episode from the top. That's just an image. Okay. Congratulations, beer nerd. You found your new favorite podcast, The Beer Report. So that's the announcer they hired. Right. Yeah, I thought that that was dumb. But, yeah. It's all dumb. He's supposed to be the announcer man guy or something? With Groucho and Chud is a presentation of adoptapodcast.org. So here's their rap. You already know what he sees. No, I don't. Uh, microphone check. Uno, dos, I tres. Yeah. think it was funny. I said, why did you, you check this microphone? to the beer report with Rucho and Chuck. So <laughs> see what's in store. They are not beer snubs. Nah, they there for every man. Expanding your taste to good beers like no one can. Hope to drink and get out of control. Man, this beer can take its toll. Pull up the virtual bar stool and chill with your new best friends. With Rucho and Chuck. Yeah, the fun never ends. Okay, Groucho and Chud. Groucho and Chud. I think he changed his Twitter name. You're lying. This is Groucho. Cool. He changed his, his Twitter handle to Groucho. The, the name. Yeah, the name. Okay, so this is your rap. So uh, basically I found another guy that would do a rap for five bucks. And I said, you know, start this one off with some rap battle posturing. And then I gave him a couple bullet points about the beer report. Okay. Yeah. What? <coughs> Yeah, look, yeah, what? Check it out, y'all. This for Craft Beer Radio and the Beer Report. Here we go, man. It's time to start. It's a battle between both. Let's get it going. Gonna get heated here and flowing. Beer Report is hosted by Rucho and Chud. They the beer guys, so listen up. Only doing one show every three months. Gotta check them out if you're gonna have a chance. Jim Cook so confused. Make Sam Adams beer getting down no day. So listen here. Calling them Sam Cook. Don't know left from right. Hope you're enjoying all the rhymes. Cause this is how we do it all the time on the grind. Oh yeah. Okay. So you have to often, explain to me often, often, well, they you know they only do like four shows a year or something like that. So uh, you know we jabbed them on that, got them on the group show, but often they have mis gotten Jim Cook's name wrong and called him Sam Cook. Okay. A lot. Okay. So so it takes a couple times to hear that to hear exactly what. He says through that part, but he's like, Jim Cook makes Sam Adams beer, got him all confused, calling him Sam Cook, don't know left from right. Yeah. I thought it was more of a Sam Glagione, oh. no, no, Jim no. Cook thing. That, well, that's, maybe that's part of it, too, yeah. of why Groucho messes it up. But uh, so that was the uh, that was the first shot in the rap battle. You mean Groucho? Groucho, yes. 
That's that is not going to be able to live down. <laughs> that is kind of stuck with. Uh, oh, there's lots of other stuff to talk about, but we probably we should probably get into the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Neato. Bye.